Hello and welcome to the Avocado Social Club, a podcast where we talk about things that come up in our everyday conversations from politics to popular culture. I'm Natalia and I'm from Mexico City. And I'm Fraser and I'm from London. And welcome to season four of the podcast. So we've started season four. We've had a bit of a break yeah. since the last episode and we've got some topics coming up and we're going to commit to every two weeks i think a new episode we've kind of gone for a bi-weekly podcast bi-weekly podcast because we're both quite busy yeah so it's hard to do it weekly but bi-weekly seems manageable (laughs) yes so since the last series what have we been enjoying what have we been watching of late yeah i think this episode is going to be a bit of a catch-up at the start (laughs) and then we'll have a bit of a chat about a topic at the end um we've been watching fleabag we're on season two maybe around the middle of season two and i've been really enjoying it have you been enjoying it yeah i think it's quite good i think it's pretty funny and it's also quite short so yeah i know a lot happens in each episode so you kind of race through you race through it and there's not that many episodes yeah if you don't know what fleabag is i feel like you've been living under a rock but it's phoebe waller bridges comedy show about a woman whose best friend dies and you kind of see her deal with her grief in non-conventional ways. Yes. And um, it just won a load of awards yeah. at the BAFTAs. Yeah, and right? last year as well. Yeah. So. Big, big, big show. So big that she's now co-writing the new Bond film. Well, she co-wrote the new Bond film. Obviously, that's coming out at some point. But yeah, anyway. Uh, I also watched... The Good Girls, which is is actually a Mexican film called Las Niñas Bien, which came out a while ago, but it's now British people can watch it. It's on Movie, which is a subscription service for kind of independent film, would you yep. say? Yeah. So watch that. It's very, very Mexican. It's very, it's very much an indie film, and it has a lot of references to growing up in Mexico. So I don't know. It looked quite stylish. Yeah. Nice, it is, yeah. Nice sort of throwback for maybe particularly for people in Mexico, maybe. Yeah, it's about a quite rich woman dealing with her and her husband have to deal with the economic crisis in Mexico in the eighties. Um, so it kind of it's a very slow film that deals with them starting to lose their money um, after being part of high society. So that's what it's about. Cool, and we also watched another one from a couple of years back which was Black Klansman, mm-hmm. which was, when was that? It was 2017, 2018, I a couple so. of years ago anyway. Yeah. That one came about, which tells a true story mm-hmm. of a black policeman who's the first black policeman in... in Chicago, is it? No, it's uh, Colorado. Oh, yeah. Colorado. Sorry, I don't know where the Chicago Yeah, was, I, I think it's Colorado, and how he managed to infiltrate through phone calls the KKK and yeah. become a member of the KKK basically and kind of is pretty fascinating insight into how the KKK works how kind of obviously you know it's not a, it doesn't offer that much different in terms of how the police work and stuff like that in the yeah. US and how things were but um, there were some quite deliberate points where they clearly put in moments that make you think about what still hasn't changed in race relations in the in US the world. in um, the world yeah. and at the end it kind of outright in the credits won't spoil it but it outright addresses some of those 
yeah. things. And yeah, I thought it was really good. It was very kind of funny at some points. Yeah, but it, then has really some, it has some very points. funny bits, but then you're laughing and then the, the next thing you're like, oh, I can't, I, this is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's all laughing and then being really shocked. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very, very good. I really enjoyed that. I also, uh, I watched a short film and I didn't know where to put this because it's not, it's kind of an article, but it is a film. So I'm going to talk about it in TV and film. <laughs> um, it's, I'm going to put the article where the the film is in the link in the sorry in the show notes but it's uh we we present uh funded short film we present is the content creative content platform by we transfer which i think surprisingly is probably one of the most interesting creative platforms out there right now it's quite it's very exciting it's got it has a lot of exciting articles and i I really enjoy looking through it. So if you haven't done that yet, yes, yeah, like an online magazine. Yes, it's basically like, and showcasing creative. Yeah, and stories. they get incredible people to write for them. Um, so this is a short film called Pozole by Jessica Mendes Iqueiros, and it showcases a Latin community in the U.S. And she talk the art the article is also quite interesting because she talks about why she did the film and it's about sort of Latino representation in. Hollywood and kind of how she came about with creating a cast that is pretty much a cast and crew that's pretty much I think it was 75 percent Latin and telling a story from almost her own family and how that came through but yeah it's about a death in a family and um, it's quite funny and it's quite um, I think it, it deals a lot with Mexicans in the US and that kind of clashing cultures so really enjoy that's 10 minutes so also very stylish cool. what about books you've been reading a lot i read exciting times by nisha dolan i think that's how you pronounce her first name it's an irish name so i'm not entirely sure but i think it's nisha and i i really enjoyed it it's kind of and this is not i keep saying this is not just because she's irish but it does remind a little bit of uh, normal people and conversations with friends by Sally Rooney and I think it's partly because Sally Rooney uh, edited some of Nisha Dolan's early work so it probably mm. influenced a little bit of the style of kind of very realistic quite dry humor and I really enjoyed it it's about a girl who moves to Hong Kong at sort of 21 22 and or even younger than that I think but she kind of falls into this strange relationship with a banker, a British banker in Hong Kong, and um, kind of almost depends on him economically. And then he goes away on a trip and she meets this woman who's super interesting and also kind of embarks on a strange relationship with her. And the way that the the book's blur puts it is exciting times ensue. Uh, but I thought it was a very interesting study of character and it has a lot of political notes on it that are interesting and and fun to read so i enjoyed that i also read a non-fiction book called british uh it's brit then brackets ish by afwa hirsch and it's it's on it's a book that talks about the identity of being mixed race in current british times (laughs) it's very personal but it also talks a lot through research and history and I learned a lot about the British Empire and the slave trade as well as I 
felt like I could really understand where her identity issues came from. So that was a very interesting book to read. I Yeah, it, it felt very academic. I think um, it has a lot, a lot, a lot of research and interviews Yeah, it sounded like it. it had a lot of good stats and yeah. good kind of... Yeah, just good stories and stats, I guess. So I would say, because the other one that I've read that's similar is Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race by Rennie Edo Lodge. And I think that one's got a lot more stats and it's a lot more condensed in the way that it gives you information, whereas this one has a lot more storytelling in it, I would say. But they're both very good. Recommend both of them if you're interested. I also read for a book club, so this was recommended by one of our friends because she put it up for the book club. It's a book called The Western Wind by Samantha Harvey. And this book is quite is very different to the last two I, I just talked about. It it happens in... It's a, it's a town in, in the UK um, a really long time ago. And it's a town that's kind of cut off from the rest of the world because they don't have a bridge. Okay. And it's around a river. And you know that a man an affluent man in the town has died, drowned, but you don't know how. And the book kind of works backwards following the priest from the town. It goes backwards from seven days after he died to the day he died, um, this man. So it's an interesting weaving of story. So I enjoyed that as well. Nice. Another book that we picked up lately is the Lodestars Anthology Mexico edition, which is a really nice little book. I think they do it on all different kind of places mm-hmm. and stuff like that, each edition of the anthology. And this one had in, was obviously in Mexico, and it was telling a lot of kind of cool stories about interesting places with some really nice images of Mexico. Yeah, so it's kind of... Uh, it goes through photography essays and written articles everyone from the magazine kind of travels through a country and then they produce this really uh, complete little magazine about different places and I've been reading the Mexico one and I, I, I've really enjoyed it because every time I finish an article I'm like Mexico is quite cool isn't it Mexico is really awesome this is isn't so it? much yeah and there is a lot of interesting tidbits from it's interesting when you are Mexican to read the way that other people see you and yeah. that tourists see you and they take it very seriously and they really talk to the people in the community that are writing about and it just makes it very authentic but also you kind of see everything through very stinted glasses because it's so beautiful and yeah kind of it's a, a few of the articles that nearly made me cry because I'm like oh yeah <laughs> that's such a nice thing about Mexico so loads stars anthology would recommend them in terms of music yeah, so we've been playing the new Taylor Swift album quite a lot. Almost on repeat for me. It's quite good. It's quite a long one. It's quite relaxed. It's very relaxed. I found Easy it listening. really good to write to. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's got good reviews as well. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, what's, do you have a favourite song from it? <laughs> yeah, I think I like the song Cardigan. I, yeah. isn't that, is that the lead song from I it? I think so. Of? And it's kind of interesting because like, when you release one album the next year after... Your last one, you know, it's kind of interesting just the whole production and the whole mindset of just producing it kind of silently and secretly and then getting it out. I guess it was all done during lockdown, so she yeah. she might not have known if she was going to release it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure what she thought, but she produced something very, very good. So I'm glad she brought it out. 
Yeah, and then there's an album that I've been listening to quite a lot as well, which is Recover by The Naked and Famous. And yeah, I just I really like that band. They're based in New Zealand. And yeah, I wonder if they're in New Zealand at the moment. I'd actually know because people in New Zealand are kind of stuck in New Zealand yeah. because of coronavirus. coronavirus. So yeah. they're obviously not touring. Obviously Taylor Swift's not touring right now to go with the release of her album. But mm. yeah, that's an album I like. There's quite a lot of songs on there that, again, are quite emotional songs, emotional stories, kind of like Taylor Swift's album in that, you know, they're sort of personal, heartfelt stories. And a which, lot of storytelling. So. Yeah, which is something actually you're going to come on to if we just segue into the articles Yeah, section. so I've got a good segue into the articles because one of the articles is quite a funny one on Taylor Swift's folklore, which is it's called Every Proper Noun on Taylor Swift's Fol- Folklore Charted. Uh, it was written, written by Heather Schwedel for Slate. And it is it literally has like graph, graphs of the proper nouns in the album. And then it it kind of explains each one where it comes from or where they think it comes from. And it's very funny. I, <laughs> I found it very interesting to read. It's kind of... Yeah, it's a very funny read. Um, it's very short, obviously. But um, another one on music is Hannah Milreas feature on Heim for Enemy, and it's a little bit of a longer read. But if even if you don't like, well, even if you you're not a fan of Heim, I think it's a it's a very very good read. Um, that talks from Heim's beginnings to now and the newest album they released and. I kind of I really enjoyed reading it now that we've got tickets to see them next year actually because I yeah I've been listening to their songs again uh from the album not that it came out that long ago but I've been putting them on on repeat again and it talks a lot about the songs and why they're so personal to them and a little bit about the videos and why the videos of the songs tell the stories that they tell and just a lot of very intimate very authentic chats with the sisters so really enjoyed that feature nice and then lastly on articles uh and this is a little bit to do with what we talked about in the last episode so in the last episode season three uh which was about i talked a lot about articles on female founders and this one's called the unpaid labor of female founders and it's on medium so i'll link it and again, it talks a lot about so the takedown of the female founder and the idea that, especially when you're on a direct-to-consumer brand, yep. when, when it's a female founder of a direct-to-consumer brand, how they are almost expected to be the face of the brand and be like almost influencers for the brand and yeah. grow their Instagram and, and the pressure that that puts on on founders who really, they're CEOs of a company and don't really have time to have this other job of being influencers on Instagram, but they're expected to, and it's a part of the brand. And I guess, just... Yeah, I guess it depends, right, on the type of person it is. So, like, Charlotte Tilbury, who's one of the most... who's founded Charlotte Tilbury Beauty, yeah. one of the most successful, like, startups in direct-to-consumer of the last five, ten years in Britain... That brand is partly successful because of her and she just basically put that brand in the front of all mm. of her friends and all of her... Like, it's a founder-led right. brand, if that makes sense. Whereas, yeah, I guess 
there's others that don't want to be necessarily yeah. the 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 sort of walking embodiment of that brand. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's kind of it more talks a lot a lot about how it's it's expected, and it's like all this pressure of yeah. you're speaking for all the women in the business, and it's like but yeah. but but they shouldn't be. So we talked about this a lot more in in the last episode. If you want to uh, listen to that chat, yeah. But, um, but yeah, this is kind of a follow up of that. Um, and an article that I had on my to be read for a while on my notion. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And that's another shout out from you. Surely. Notion. Notion. Yeah, I use Notion for everything now. Yeah, Notion dot so. It's a. And no, it's like a note taking thing that can just like not just take notes, but actually manage your whole life. It's your to do list. It's your scheduling. Yeah. So you need to learn how to use it in a way that it doesn't take over your life because I went to this webinar as well of this woman who like taught you how to use it and it literally controls her life she like her gardening is on it her cooking is on it like literally everything so I don't use it that intensely but I I do use it for a lot of things it's like workout plans my tasks yeah uh, journaling all of it I just to read I just dump it there because for example this article you can just kind of pin it onto your reading list Mm. very very quickly so yeah that's a shout out i've been using it so today's topic is something i guess a little bit different we're going to be talking about older influencers and by influencers we mean people who have a lot of followers online and who influence people and who influence people (laughs) so we were inspired by a 69-year-old woman in Mexico called Doña Angela. And her YouTube channel is called De Mi Rancha Tu Cocina. So that's from my ranch to your kitchen. And it's a really, it's a really great channel, actually. Um, I've done some of her food and it's really good. <laughs> she has 3 million subscribers on YouTube. She does it from her kitchen in a town in Mexico. I don't actually know where she lives. But, she, and she's just gathered... A massive amount of fans. Right, and she makes traditional Mexican dishes. Yeah, basically. it's like if your grand were to make food in Mexico, this is what she would make. So it's yeah. it's a lot. It's very wholesome content, I suppose. Uh, and then we thought this is a thing. This seems to be a thing since around twenty seventeen that there's been a rise in older people using social media in a way that gains them a lot of followers. They're called senior influencers. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they actually capitalize on being older. They're not trying to look younger, which is fine. But they, a lot of them, even if they're 64, a lot of them almost not look older. That sounds mean. But they're not trying to be like, oh, no, I'm younger. They're like, they own they're their cater- age. Yeah, like they're catering to whatever their market is. They're, not, they're not trying to attract a diff, you know, the same audience everyone else, yeah. or they're kind of just being themselves. I guess that's something we'll come on to. Yeah. So, according to the BBC, almost three quarters of Instagram influencers are under thirty five. So that's still the the bulk of the market. But in twenty eighteen, accounts deemed senior influencers had a twenty four percent increase in following. Okay. So. It has, it's something that's been, and you can find articles from around 2017 saying like, being old is then you being young and things like that about <laughs> um, these accounts gaining a lot of followers. 
Yeah, and some other notable examples there. There's kind of, I guess, there's a bit of a split. There was sort of famous people mm-hmm. who attract a lot of love online. So, you know, your your Judy Dentures. Yeah. Um, she doesn't actually have social media, does she? But... No, Judy Dench is an interesting one because she doesn't have social media, but she sort of became a bit of a sensation during lockdown because her grandson, Sam Williams, has TikTok. <laughs> And he started creating TikToks yes. with Judith Dench. And Judith Dench has said, like, that doing that saved my life during lockdown. <laughs> and she became a sort of internet celebrity. Not that, I mean, Judith Dench is Judith Dench. But um, she, people just started following her grandson a lot because they wanted to, to see her. But yeah, she doesn't actually have social media, which is interesting. Mm. And then you have, like, George Takei. He's got 1.3 million followers. Uh, and Iris Apfel who has 1.5 million followers. They're both, obviously, they both built careers before Instagram, but they've both capitalised on Instagram now that they don't do their other job. Yeah. Yeah. Iris is so cool. <laughs> Just if you... She's 98. Um, she's pretty old. Yeah, and she's very, very cool. <laughs> There's also some more traditional influencers. So what you would think when you think influencers, they post fashion shots on their Instagrams. Right, so people who are famous on the platforms rather than kind than because of, of something, something else, else necessarily. Yeah. So there's a there's one called Icon Accidental. She's got 737,000 followers. She's 64 and she dresses really really well and she yeah, so she's basically a bit of a model on her own Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And then you probably the biggest one to grow on the platform is a woman called Baddie Winkle. She's got 3.8 million followers on Instagram. She's 92 years old. Her bio, She's got a lot, a lot of personality. So her bio is stealing your man since 1928. Yeah, she, she dresses very vibrantly. She's got an insane amount of followers. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. So that just thinking about why this has been happening and kind of what's led to this there's maybe a number of things but actually the last points that you mentioned about kind of people who dress well or who are sort of fashion influencers who are older mm-hmm. i wonder what their audiences are like because on the one hand there's something which we can talk about which is just the fact that the average age of people on these platforms is getting older, older. but also there's something for me as a younger person when i've watched sort of older influencers it's been in kind of the automotive space. So I've watched like long form videos of like older car journalists or things like that, doing interviews and things like that. And I think actually there's something about older people, people from another generation kind of having fun, being experts, being cool, that makes you feel kind of happy as a younger person because you're not just kind of seeing people your age do stuff that's fun or enjoying themselves or having a passion or being kind of at the top of their game as it were yeah it's kind of fun to see someone different telling the stories that's a really good point because i think there's something almost unconsciously when you look at all the all the traditional influencer being i can't believe that's a thing now traditional influencer (laughs) but being sort of 22 to 29 year olds going on lots of trips and looking beautiful and all that, it kind of almost makes you feel like this is it, like this is life. Like when I'm 30, that's it. 
like it kind of reinforces that idea. Whereas when you see older people doing it, you're like, they're at the top of their game. They're right. living the and life. And somehow it's kind of there's this thing which maybe you think about if you're in your twenties or thirties, where you're kind of thinking, okay, yeah. So eventually, if I kind of you know get older, have kids, and sort of settle down yeah. in some place that sort of there's no way I could be an influencer or there's no way I could and it's not like you necessarily have to want to be an influencer unless unless you're a film star yeah but it it kind of makes you feel like life isn't over at 30 like 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 you can still do so many fun things and yeah you can still be cool and it's still fine you can still be cool yeah so I think partly it is that the part of the reason why they've got because they've got a lot of young followers it's not yeah it's not just old people yeah so there's definitely a part of it is sort of the older audiences but it's also is the younger audiences as well so youtube viewership among people over 45 has risen by 55 percent since a year ago basically so yeah there's now basically over 45 to 17 percent of youtube viewers so it's quite a sizable number of people that are maybe looking for influencers who are kind of their peers, hmm. whatever that is, 45 to like 100 years old, that age. That's not really an age category, but um, yeah, that's there's definitely something there. And they're looking for kind of different, maybe different forms of content, not six-second videos, hmm. or maybe they are. There's kind of a mix with some of these older influencers. Some are producing kind of... Some are producing very uh, normal content that you would see from other younger influencers, hmm. whereas some are making something completely new. Yeah. And I think there's also something with... They are making money from it. And yeah. it's almost... You kind of feel like... When you look at your grandparents, for example, you know that they're not working, they wouldn't get a job, and it's kind of nice to feel like you can support people who can't work Yeah, or who... Yeah, they're not doing what they maybe were doing yeah. before, and this is kind of like another career for them. Um, or, yeah, an opportunity to kind of showcase skills um, yeah i mean there's one oh i forgot her name i'm gonna shout her out on the episode notes but she does paint drawings okay she's from spain she's got an insane amount of followers and all she posts like she her drawings in paint and she's insanely talented but she like this is her career now yeah. she does like paint drawings for instagram it's yeah it's it. and again she's got a lot of followers and she's about like 80 something interesting yeah um i think the other thing about the the kind of the the content is maybe interesting on YouTube and I'm thinking in particular of one person that I watch. They're kind of there's something about being older that gives you more kind of confidence or re- being relaxed about your own expertise in your subject mm-hmm. and just kind of being yourself rather than sort of trying to deliver an influencer experience to your audience if that makes sense like you're kind of just you showing your knowledge that you've accumulated maybe got less filtered opinion maybe you've just got a lot of context to the information that you're giving and a lot of depth of experience is going into whatever subject that you're looking at maybe that's what it is yeah it kind of makes them feel more authentic in their delivery of the content i suppose they're Mm. not trying to please you because that's not really you're kind of done with that. They're maybe trying to please people, but they just don't... They're not doing it in the same way as everyone else. Yeah. Somehow. I don't know. 
Um, then there's also kind of nostalgia part. It's kind of fun to watch, see old things, whether it's older fashion mm-hmm. or older anything. There's something about that. And a lot of a lot of older fashion influences from what because doing research for this episode, I went on a lot of Instagrams. A lot of them have have fully figured out the timeless style because <laughs> they've got it. Like they they're not trying to figure out their style anymore. Mm. So that that's that's pretty cool. A lot of them do dress like I would like to dress and it's like what <laughs> but yeah it's a strange they know what looks timeless yeah so they do have a lot of knowledge yeah yeah because ultimately you know they're just they've got their own audiences they've got their own target markets I guess yeah so I think we've reached the end of this first episode of the new series of the Avocado Social Club podcast Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram yes. at the Avocado Social Club. Yeah, we'll be sharing additional content and highlights related to each episode, some of our favourite recommendations, things we're enjoying both in the show and outside of the show. Yeah. And it's also the best place to talk to us and let us know what you thought about any of the things. If you hate Taylor Swift, tell us there. If you love Taylor Swift, tell us there tell as us well. Tell us there too. We won't judge. We won't. won't we won't just judge openly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We'll speak with you in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, you can also find us all sort of personally on social media as well. Yeah, I'm at underscore Natalia Alvin. And I'm at Fraser D Bell. And still haven't mastered given the email the Avocado Social Club Podcast at gmail dot com if you want to send us a longer form message. There it is. Perfect. See you in two weeks. We've got the topic down. We're very excited about it. Yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.